first of all, I, ooh, there he is. I, I want to um, assure you of something. Um, the way that the, the parent project announcement that was sent to us reads might make you believe that of all the people on planet Earth, that they had decided to get me to come answer all your questions about parenting. I, people of God, I want to be clear about something. That is not what's happening. I am giving a presentation on youth and, and some other things, but um, there will be actual experts. Now listen, I have, I have successfully raised two cats so far. But I, I, I do not think that that uh, makes me an expert at parenting, but it is an incredibly important thing um, that, that I hope you will um, be at this afternoon. Well, well during Lent, uh, we are uh, going through these, these I am statements that Jesus makes. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and, and how, how really sort of beautiful that idea is, you know, living in, in a world of darkness, and that Jesus comes to shine the light, not just into our own hearts, but but through us into the world around us. But today, we are talking about, at least for me, the one that, that has meant the most for me in my life, and, and I kind of referenced this last week, um, borderline on accident, it just kind of came out, so we got to take that out for this one. But this, this statement that Jesus makes that, that tells us everything that we need to know about God and how God operates in this world, and how God saves, but it also tells us everything that we should ever need to know about how God views us. And it's all really, really good news. And, and like I said, for me, this is the statement that when I read it, it just, it fills me with such awe, and such comfort, and, and at the same time, such a, a misunderstanding, or, or maybe not fully grasping how great God is. And every time I read it, I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I deserve this. But the Lord still freely gives it to us. So if you have a Bible, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we're going to be reading verses 7 through 15. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 15. It said, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd doesn't own the sheep, leaves them, and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is an incredible dialogue that when Jesus is, is proclaiming this, it's not just his disciples that are there, but it's, it's obviously a crowd pretty much any time that, that Jesus opens his mouth and starts you know, preaching in these ways. There's, there's groups of people, and it's a, it's a diverse group. You have his disciples who are followers. You have some others that are following as well. But then you also have Pharisees that are also there just, just waiting, just waiting for him to slip up, just waiting for him to say something so that they can take it to the authorities, get him thrown in prison, because from the very beginning of the Gospels, they're already like, this is a problem. We've got to do something about it. And so that's this crowd that's listening to him say this. 
And he opens up this dialogue by using this imagery that would have been really, really familiar to the audience that was listening to it. By calling himself a good shepherd, by talking about sheep, by talking about gates and all that, the people listening to it would have understood it because this was a prominent thing that was going on in this world. And not just because it was a prominent thing that would happen in Israel, it was also a prominent thing and a prominent comparison that was made throughout the Old Testament. Whether it was God being called a good shepherd or or David or Moses, this term has been used over and over and over again throughout Scripture to talk about someone. And so they would have understood what, what Jesus was saying, but Jesus goes to a level with this that they probably weren't expecting and, and that, that for us is, is really, really, really good news. So as he's talking, the first thing that he says, at least in the, in the part that we read, he says, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. It's me, I am the gate. Now what does that mean? There's two things that Jesus really kind of hones in on here and, and I want to talk about both of them because they're both crucially important. When he says, I am the gate for the sheep, what he's, what he's really saying, it's, it's sort of hearkening back to Psalm 118, verse 20, when it says, this is the Lord's gate, the righteous will enter through it. Basically, what Jesus is telling the people listening is that he is the one. He is the one that has come, that is the gate between us as sinful humanity and a holy and mighty God. He is the one. He's the one that opens that gate for us. Now, this would have been a a radical thing to say, and it's the reason why the Pharisees have such a huge problem with it. Because basically what he's telling the people is that if you want to get to the Father, it's through me the gate. It's through me the gate. There is no other way to it. It's just through me. And if we read that sort of by itself, you can read that as like, oh, okay, so... I don't, don't know how I feel about that, but this, this, this guy who's on earth, he's the one that's going to sit here and proclaim to all of us that, hey, if you want to get to God, the God that you've been making all these sacrifices to your whole life, if you want to get to God, it's through me. I'm the gate. I'm the one. If the sheep want to go out the pasture in heaven, I'm the one that's got to open it. I myself am that gate. Which on its own is an incredible statement, but then... But then this is the second part. This is the part that I really kind of want to hone in on, on today because this is incredible. This is good news. Because it's one thing to say that you're the gate and, and one thing to say that you're, you're the way to, to heaven and, and all those other things which we proclaim as Christians to be true. But then Jesus says something else because he calls himself a good shepherd. Now, now maybe when, when you think of what a good shepherd might be, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, don't, I haven't met many shepherds in Vestavia, but... If I was sort of to, to think through what makes a good shepherd, what makes a good shepherd would seem to be the guy that can keep the most sheep, right? The one that keeps the most sheep alive. If, if you're a shepherd and you have 100 sheep, and, and all 100 make it through the winter and make it through all that stuff, and, and all 100 sheep are alive through all these other things, then you're probably a good shepherd. A bad shepherd would maybe be like me. He would go out there with the sheep and... And probably none of them are going to make it. That might be a bad shepherd. And Jesus even makes a comparison to that. He pretty much like points out what, the, what a bad shepherd is. He said, the hired hand, that's the one that just kind of shows up. He's paid to be there. He's paid to be there, but when the wolf comes, when the danger comes, when the difficult things come, that hired hand runs away. Runs away. Because all he's concerned about is protecting himself. Because then Jesus says it, and it's because the hired hand does not care about the sheep. 
And so then he makes this incredible comment. He says, I am the good shepherd. Unlike the hired hand that runs away when danger comes, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now this is an incredible message. This incredible message and, and sort of uh, harkens back to things that Jesus said in, in, in other Gospels. In Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not, come to serve, but to, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life up as a ransom for many. This, this thing that Jesus is saying by saying that I'm the good shepherd, and, and what the good shepherd does is he lays his life down for his sheep. It's such a radically important statement for us to hear and for us to understand as Christians, as broken human beings, broken individuals who who sin and run far, far away, that when Jesus is saying that he's a good shepherd, it's not in the same way that we might think of a, how a good shepherd should be. Because as I kind of said like last week, this going on and more of the sort of imagery that Jesus uses, and he uses in Luke 15 about talking about leaving 99 to go after one, let's be honest, logically, that doesn't make any sense. You got 99 here. Are you saying that the good shepherd is the one that runs out into the woods and chases down the one? leaving the other 99 exposed. But Jesus is trying to make a point here that he's not, a good, not the good shepherd in the way that we might tangibly think about it on earth. He's a good shepherd in some place that goes way deeper than that. Way deeper than that. You see it in Luke 15, you also see it here. Because what he's saying to the people that are listening is I'm the good shepherd, and I'm the good shepherd because I am willing In spite of your propensity as sheep to do whatever you want, I am willing and I am able and I desire to lay my life down for you. For you. What an incredible truth for us to hear, especially during this Lenten season as we're we're marching through these 40 days, as we're marching closer to to Good Friday, but we literally tangibly see this happen. In Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection after three days. This idea, this idea that God, that God himself came down to earth through his son, Jesus Christ. And that calls himself the good shepherd because of what he's willing to do for us. You know, one of the things that I am talking about tonight at this parenting project, and, and listen, I'm going I'm to give a little bit away. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be there. You should come. And don't say, oh, I didn't come because he's kind of said it at 11, so I didn't feel like I needed to be there. But one of the things I noticed as a youth minister for 10 years and, and watching, you know, pretty much like starting in, in 2012, 2013, up until a couple years ago, and I saw what was happening like to our young people. I read like charts and stats. I see all these things because it's really, it's the thing that like breaks me and keeps me up at night more than maybe uh, anything else in, in all of the church. Is I see all these stats. I see all these things that talk about how this generation of young people, and there's zero reason why this is going to change with the next generation. This generation of young people has the most highest levels of anxiety and depression of any other generation that's ever come before them. And I, and so I started like looking at that and you think, oh, well, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID. But this started like back in 2012. This started back about right at the same time that social media became a thing that everybody had. 
And I'm not going to stand up here and, and rip social media and tell you you shouldn't have it. You might not should have it, but you might be surprised at how happy you are if you get rid of it. But what I am going to say is that we have to face the reality that social media has done something to us, especially to our young people. Because what it's created is this world where they're looking at pictures of other people and, and they're creating this, this idealism in their mind about what their life is supposed to look like and what it has caused, at least to me, in studying the research and praying through this and just talking to young people all the time. It's created a sense that they have. And, and maybe, maybe your children are great, and are knocking it out of the park and have no issue with this, and, and praise God for them, but there's a high percentage of, of children that aren't, of young kids that aren't. And it's because it creates this idea in their heads about what their life is supposed to look like, and they start finding value and worth in other people instead of themselves. And what we've completely lost the ability to do as a church and what we have to focus on if we're going to stem this tide and the church has to be a part of some kind of solution is getting people back to understanding their worth in the eyes of Jesus. And so listen, if you hear absolutely nothing else from this message and the good news and all that other stuff, I need you to hear this. When Jesus makes the comment, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays his, lays his life down for the sheep, he is knowingly talking about a group of people like us who have all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues, who struggle day in and day out with so many different things, who maybe sometimes, like I struggle with, question and struggle with our own worth or question and struggle with how could God love me or look at ourselves in the mirror and don't like what we see coming back on the other side. I hope and pray that when you hear Jesus saying these things about you, about you, that you can have some sort of understanding in the midst of the chaos of this world, in the midst of the chaos of this world, in the, in the midst of your own questioning about yourself and all that, I hope and pray that you see your value and your worth to Jesus. Your value and your worth to Jesus. Because the Lord, the Lord, faithfully, knowingly, humbly, laid down his life for you and for me and for the world. Because he loves us. He loves us. And so I just pray. I just pray. I, I don't know uh, what situations are represented across this room, but, but whatever it is, I mean, I pray that you know this Lenten season, especially as you hear uh, these particular passages, that you know, that you know the worth that you have to God. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. That the creator of all these things that formed your innermost parts, that that God found you in your own sinful state worthy to lay his down life lay his life down for that's what the good shepherd does and for me for me in the chaos of the world that we live in and all the uncomfortableness and all the pain and the tragedy and the suffering that we all experience and all the things that we see going around the world it's good news to me to know what the Lord thinks of me, even sometimes when I don't think that about myself. 
So please hear. Please hear about how deep the Lord's love is for you. Please hear the links at which God was willing to go to not just save us collectively, but to save you individually and to bring you to him. Like these, Jesus isn't saying this to, to create some kind of like platitude just to incite the Pharisees. Jesus is saying this because it's true. And you see this play out throughout the rest of this gospel message. God loves us. God loves you to a level that we will never be able to understand and never be able to repay. And that's okay. The Lord is the good shepherd. And he's the good shepherd and he knows his own. Just as the father knows him. And he knows the father and he lays his life down for the sheep. I don't know if you've um, ever studied sheep. Because I have. Um, I don't know why. Just kind of a random night on Wikipedia. Um, people have problems with different things like Instagram, whatever. Mine's Wikipedia. I can get into some kind of a hole where I'm learning about things that, I mean, who cares? But that one day when someone asks a question and I have the answer, like, how on earth? I'm like, well, that one night on Wikipedia. But I learned a lot about sheep. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, but sheep, they really need a shepherd. They really need a shepherd. They need one. If you just send sheep out into the, out into the wilderness, they ain't going to make it. It's like sending indoor cats outside. They all act like they want to go out there, but if they go out there, they're not making it. We have two cats, 15 minutes tops outside. The sheep need the shepherd. And so the, the other important truth about this passage is that Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd, lay my life down for the sheep. It's a reminder to us that that's a shepherd worth us as sheep following and understanding our desperate need for a shepherd. Because I don't know, maybe your life is, is different than mine, but I know that when I'm walking through this world and thinking I can handle it myself, there seems to be a lot of wolves out there that I'm not ready to handle. So my prayer for us is that one, accept the deep, unfailing love of Jesus in our hearts and for ourselves and, and find worth in ourselves because Christ finds us worthy. And then number two, I pray that we would listen to that small, still voice of the shepherd guiding us through this life and give everything up to him to be the good shepherd of our hearts and of our lives. Because I can just tell you, I can just tell you, I've lived a life without Jesus and I've lived a life with Jesus. And living a life with Jesus is infinitely better for me. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen, but what it means is that I know that I have a shepherd that's walking with me by the still waters and walking with me through the darkest valley. And that's good news today. That's good news for us in this room. That's good news for the world. Let's pray.